All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What's What BR. We have Mayor President Broom with us again. Give us an update of what's kind of happening around Baton Rouge. Makes it even more interesting when we're on the What's What BR and we have the one who knows everything about What's What BR on with us today. How are you today? I'm doing well, Brandon. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> it has been a minute. You've been busy. I've been traveling. It's been crazy. So... Appreciate you making some time because you definitely have important things to be doing. So kicking us off, dating ourselves, we're September 1st, you know, right now. Um, you have made a declaration and we are going, we are attacking a problem and bringing it top of mind for September, which is, you know, Blythe Month. So tell me where, where'd that come from? And, you know, where, where do you feel on it? I know where I do. and I'm probably just too blunt on things. No, uh, your transparency is appreciated. I have indeed declared September as Blight Month in East Baton Rouge Parish. And as a part of our Blight strategy, our city parish will soon launch a $4.5 million Blight initiative using American Rescue Plan funds. And so the city parish, you'll find them out addressing overgrown lots, condemning structures, junk, trash, debris on private property. Now, very important um, event. The city parish is going to host a blight boot camp for all of our residents. It's going to take place from 8 a.m. to 2.30 on Saturday, September 24th at the River Sitter Branch Library. That's the downtown library. And so here residents will be able to learn how to make their neighborhoods a healthier and more vibrant place to live. Uh, people can register online. Uh, they can find out more information at brla.gov. Uh, they can go to our social media platforms. Uh, they can register at eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite.com. Uh, you know, Brandon, um, I am a firm believer. Uh, we have a program called our resident leaders. I believe while government certainly has to be a part of making things happen in communities, we have to have the investment of our community partners. So for example, I love the fact that we have a resident leaders program where uh, folks in their neighborhoods are now leading neighborhoods and we are connecting with them offering uh, any technical assistance resources that they need. So that's why this Blight boot camp is so important. Uh, so we can connect with the people who live in the neighborhoods and we can both work together in a partnership uh, to address uh, Blight. I'll tell you this, that um, so far uh, this year, we have demolished 63 structures. We uh, cut tall grass on 367 lots. We've cleaned junk, trash, and debris from 172 uh, properties. And something else I, I will have to say, and then I'll be quiet for a minute, that is, you know, blight is a very uh, complex issue. And why do I say that? Because, you know, when we're talking about private property, there are a lot of things that we have to do before we can mitigate some of the uh, blight that exists. Uh, and so uh, in addition to blight, you will hear very soon about our uh, Brighton Baton Rouge litter campaign. I feel like blight and litter are 
under the same umbrella, if you will. Uh, so our goal is to keep our community clean. And that right now, September is uh, Blight Month. We're going to focus on uh, Blight. Yeah, and I think it's the important thing, you know, as you were talking, you were thinking, you know, as you said, you know, the partnership. You know, I'm a very big, you know, proponent that we can't expect, you know, government, the city to come in and do everything. Like we have to do this ourselves. You can provide the resources, but people in their own communities have to step up and say, you know, this is where I live. This is where my kids are raised. This is, you know, this is our community. We need to solve this together. And, you know, government didn't run out and do it. You know, we can't expect government to go out and clean it, you know, 100%, but we can get the resources and help people. And so, and I think it has to do, you know, sometimes it's not anything on purpose. I know I used to have some property and it was an elderly couple that just, just over years, they just got older. They just couldn't do it. And no matter what you wanted, no matter what we said, no matter what kind of boot camp, no matter anything we did, I had to go in and just basically just, you know, help them out and do it, you know, like get the yard cleaned up for them. And that's, I think that's just some of our kind of civic responsibility and, you know, just helping in the community because at the end of the day, you know, this affects every, this is, it's not just an ugly problem. It's a, it causes financial problems. It's the value of properties and the value of, you know, city. And so, you know, you can take a neighborhood completely overgrown and people not caring and it's got houses are worth X, clean it all up, get it straight, edge the sidewalk, change the way it looks that's literally gonna raise the value of the property. And I think that, you know, again, changes lives. So. And I do believe that when neighborhoods unite around shared goals, like uh, uh, removing blight, removing trash, removing litter, uh, then it becomes positively contagious in terms of neighbors wanting to make sure that uh, their property is kept up, that their block, their neighbors, neighborhood is uh, kept up. Now, there are always a few exceptions because unfortunately, um, we have to dismantle, and you might've heard me say this before, but we really got to dismantle a culture of uh, litter, you know, where people think it's okay to litter, you know, it's okay to throw trash down. It's okay to throw a cup down when you finish with it or throw it out the car. Uh, it's not okay. And as I said, it's a culture that has to be dismantled. And we can dismantle that certainly as we're working on certain ordinances. But we also have to, because we have to hold people accountable. Uh, so that's a whole different uh, commentary for another time, but uh, we're working. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say like, you said, you know, use a better word, transparent. I, you know, we've talked about this before on the litter side, maybe a year ago. I think a lot of this comes down to families and communities and parents, you know, teaching their kids that that's not okay. You know, if you, and even if it's not, you know, a parent and a child, if you've got, you know, I, it personally, it's one of the biggest things that gets under my skin. Like if I see somebody throw something out the window, it's like, do you have that little respect for your community and the people that live in your community? You're literally just going to throw trash. Like yeah. you wouldn't walk into someone's and the example I tell people is you would never walk into someone's business or in their home, you know, have a drink. And then when you're done with it, just throw it on their living room and, you know, on the floor in the living room and walk out or leave it on the floor. Come, you know, you go to somebody's business, they offer you a water, you drink the water, you hand it to them, you throw it away. You don't just throw it on the floor and walk out. 
That's right. Why is it okay to do it in a street or in a you know parking lot? And I think that's some people just it's what we fight in a lot of things. And I think a lot of the battles that we have, you know, with community and families and people, it's we're fighting complacency or apathy. Just people are like, they throw it on the ground and it's nobody says anything. And so it looks okay to somebody else. And so they throw it on the ground. It's like, I don't know. I can't keep my mouth shut when I see it, <laughs> even if I don't know you. So yeah, I hear you. So so that's all of September and back to, you know, they can go to Eventbrite, they can register, it'll be out at the library 24th, they can go, they'll get the resources, all the support that they need from the city on how to do these things, what to do, how to rally the troops in your neighborhood, all of it. So that I think is amazing. That's what we need. We need more people. We need leaders to take action, not just leaders. So, and we'll be, you know, at the end when this is all over, we'll. Uh, I like to uh, use data to uh, evaluate our success and our outcomes, and so we'll see at the end of September uh, what we can report. That'd be awesome, and we'll have you back, and we'll talk about it then too. So. You've got some updates. We've talked on and off over the years. You know, we know drainage and stormwater. You know, there's been huge. You, I don't know if you have them now, but I know you've had them in the past. Kept up with the data on the amount, you know, of debris and yards of everything. So not to put you on a spot there, if you may not have them, but there's an update. Some things with this, you know, stormwater and the master plan that you know we wanted to talk about a little bit. I'll let you kind of be the important one there. This, this uh, recently we uh, hosted a, a stormwater master plan meeting uh, for the community. It was very well attended. Uh, when I came in office, I implemented a stormwater master plan. It's the first of its kind uh, to really look closely at how we can mitigate flooding uh, and drainage issues in our community. And uh, we also, at this meeting, unfolded a 20-year uh, capital improvement plan. And so the plan would include over 60 projects that have been identified and prioritized throughout our parish. And so we're going to be working uh, to identify sources of funding to implement the plan. Let me do a little deeper dive. Um, you know, we have to be mindful of how and where we develop. I believe that uh, that we know uh, that that can be impactful. Um, there are some areas that need to retain their natural features to aid in the flow of water. Um, we want the public to be educated around this issue. Uh, each of us, like in any other issue we're dealing with, we have to do our part. And so, for example, we've been talking about litter, trash, you know, that impacts uh, our drainage system too. When people use their blower and blow grass, uh, you know, down the drain, that impacts. When people put oil, uh, you know, in through their sink, that all of that impacts the uh, drainage system. Is that the sole issue? No, it's not but it's a contributor for sure. And so um, another recommendation, in addition to public education, is uh, a revision to the Unified Development Code. So in 2021, several 
uh, initial changes were adopted to our unified development code. And there are going to be several proposed changes, uh, which will be shared uh, throughout meetings and include uh, e evaluating uh, how we can best determine uh, to implement changes in the future. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's important for us to point out that while we are developing the East Baton Rouge Stormwater Master Plan, uh, we also just haven't been sitting back waiting on the plan. We've been having drainage projects implemented that have been going on simultaneously um, and that are definitely benefiting uh, the parish. No, that's, you had talked before about, you know, getting all this stuff cleaned out and that's, you know, there's some stuff that you can do and the city can do, but it is, it's a big deal. It, like you said, blowing the grass down into the, you know, the culvert, you know, that's, we don't want to do that kind of stuff. And this, it all makes a difference. The water's got to go somewhere, whether it's when you turn that water on in the sink, that's part of the system. You know, it all goes, we've got rainwater, we've got, it's all got to work its way through and it's not something that can be solved overnight, but it's made huge progress since we started talking about it over the last year. You know, it's, I think, do you remember how many, when originally it started with gathering information on like standing water and where it was, and it was an incredible amount of people in the community said, I've got, you know, we've got it here, we've got it here. Y'all did a big map and went through exactly. and started cleaning things. Yeah, well, so, let me just tell you over the past 14 months, uh, we have removed 18 million pounds of debris from 65 miles of our drainage system. And so that's some really notable uh, work. And it's really only a snapshot of the things that are happening um, uh, that we're doing, implementing to reduce uh, flood risk within our parish. And I think that's, you know, and I'll pause this there for a second, just to go through, you said what, like 18 million pounds? Yeah. over 65 miles correct this is the stuff that i think people need to it's not the fun you know it's not the big announcement you know of a new business that's going to hire 500 people it's not you know those are the things that get the headlines yes but what people don't realize if you went to an individual or to a company or you know a group and was like hey I got 65 miles worth of drainage and I need to get probably about 18 million pounds of stuff out of it. They, it wouldn't just roll off their back. Like that's an easy task. This yeah. is a major ordeal, but it's just, you don't get the wins for those little things. And it's like, you're not going to feel it. And unfortunately it's when everything drains and flows the way it's supposed to, nobody picks up the phone and calls in and says like, I just want to let you know that that system worked great, you know, yeah. over that last storm last Friday. So those are the wins that, you know, for anybody who's listening that I'm just, that's the stuff that happens, you know, that you're not talking about that nobody realizes, but it's a big deal. And it costs a lot of money to do that. Stuff. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, I believe um, the best is yet to come at the end of the day, the work that we're doing with the stormwater master plan that will be done. Let me just say that that will be done. I believe it's work that will benefit our community um, in the upcoming generations and years to come. Because the truth is that we have um, an antiquated, system of drainage, and we have an increased system of uh, water uh, that we're dealing with. And so we've, we've got to address that. Well, 
it's being addressed and that's, you put the plan, you know, found the funds, you know, put it together, got a plan. So people just got to give it time to work. And if they want it to work faster, come help. You know, that's what I would tell them. So it's in progress. So tell me what's going on with move VR these days. Well, so- you know, transportation traffic is a topic of conversation all around. And, uh, our movie VR program is moving forward. Um, we are focused on those 70 projects which provide transportation solutions that are going to move our region in a safe, sustainable manner and really enhance our neighborhoods and our communities and uh, promote economic vitality uh, in our parish. What I want people to know, Brandon, now there is a separation between some of the work that's going on from the State Department of Transportation and Development and the work that's going on with uh, MOVE EBR. Of course, most of our MOVE EBR work is in the city and Mm. the parish versus on the uh, interstate, which is state and uh, federal. But I will tell you, I'm so excited about the work that I'm seeing with MOVE EBR that's unfolding. For example, I recently went to the uh, official opening of a bike path along Hyacinth Avenue from Stanford to Glasgow. And um, bike paths are an integral part of attracting and sustaining uh, our young people and young families and people who are looking for quality of place uh, when they are selecting a, a place to live. That, so bike paths are definitely uh, important to have if you are going to have a thriving uh, community. And we have more than 65 additional miles of new bike lanes and over 100 miles of additional sidewalks. Sidewalks are are big and needed in our community. And these are currently in planning or design as part of our movie BR program. So we're working to make our streets safer and more accessible for everyone. No, and I think that's, to me, I said this, um, I was talking, we had the downtown development district, which I know you probably work pretty closely with. They were on not too long ago and I was talking about how you know, Baton Rouge, we've got some, I have offices in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, and it's a different little bit of a culture that you've got more, like Baton Rouge people, I think, are by far, most of the time, kind of ingrained to where when I go somewhere, I want to drive there, and I want to park right in front of it, and I don't want to have to walk, you know, a couple blocks, or I don't want to have to use sidewalk. But now that we're getting more of this, and you're getting more of this, you know, younger group, if you go just if you go walk on LSU's campus, you can see you've got people walking and biking and moving and you get into other communities that have the sidewalks and have the bike paths and people use them. Like a lot of people just, I think, don't think about it. And the fact that we're getting kind of forward thinking and we've got the plans to build these, that's what's going to make and attract people. I think some people might think of it and go, well, why do I need a bike path? Well, you don't, you ask that question because you don't ride your bike. And two, you're just so used to driving everywhere that you've got to go. You don't think of it as an option to where I could just jump on a bike, you know, and go for, you know, that could be the commute back and forth to work. People do it in cities all over the you know, country. Right. So as we build these, it's exciting for me to think that we're getting some of that here, mm-hmm. especially, you know, 
we're in the perfect place for it. We're not in this concrete jungle, you know, of some of these big cities. Exactly. So, so I guess with that to kind of, you know, kind of round us and the broken segue, but, you know, kind of from, you know, biking, you know, and things we got to be safe as we're doing that, you know, we've got some public safety, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, that's key in any community, you know, is we need people to feel safe. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, you're absolutely right. And um, I did an informal survey among my team recently, and uh, we all agreed that, um, you know, drainage issues, infrastructure issues, uh, litter, homelessness, and of course, uh, crime uh, and public safety are among the top items that people are concerned about. I, yeah, everybody wants to live in a safe community. And I, and I want to really say from my heart, Brandon, that uh, the, the advent of crime in our community um, is certainly something that um, is um, probably my, my top, tip, top number one item to, to um, address. And, and every day, um, I am certainly seeking measures that we can take to make sure that our citizens feel safe in their community. I hesitate to say this because sometimes people view it as an excuse, and I promise you it's not an excuse, but it's a reality, and the data certainly substantiates it, and that is Crime has elevated all across America. It's not yeah. just um, limited to Baton Rouge or confined to Baton Rouge and East Baton Rouge Parish. It's all over America. In fact, recently an article uh, came out in The Advocate that said that there, there's a, more crime, heightened crime taking place in rural areas than in some of the cities in Louisiana. Nevertheless, knowing that doesn't make a citizen feel any safer. It's certainly situational awareness. And so what I have been very intentional about is using law enforcement, community engagement, and mental health to address the rise and elevation of uh, violence in our community. Uh, at the present time, it appears that our non-fatal shootings from 2022 to 2021 are down by 1.5%. Um, but when you still hear about crime and it's a, a constant narrative um, in the media, um, and you know people who've experienced or been victims is certainly uh, those numbers uh, don't really portray um, all that people are feeling. They don't really connect with what people are feeling, although they are reality and although we have to look at the data. And it's certainly my goal as mayor to make sure that we are on a downward trajectory of shootings, that we're on, uh, do everything we possibly can to be on a downward trajectory of homicides, um, you know, that we address uh, substance abuse and that we work to be on a downward trajectory of overdose calls. 
uh, one of our most positive initiatives took place this summer, and that was our Summer of Hope initiative, where we had more than 525 young people who participated in our Mayor's Youth Workforce Experience with Level Up, uh, Big Buddy, Employ BR, and the Office of Social Services. And so through that, we've touched nearly 43,000 people through canvassing. In addition, excuse me, in addition to our Summer of Hope um, touching the youth, we've also ex we also extended our touch by canvassing neighborhoods and touching nearly 43,000 people in disinvested uh, communities. So we could be resourceful to find out what their needs were and to provide assistance with employment, mental health, uh, and food. So, you know, that's the um, community engagement, mental health aspect with law enforcement, uh, growing and sustaining our police department is a top priority. And um, recently I was able to give our police department a 7% across the board raise. Uh, um, and that is in addition to their 3% merit raise. It's actually in addition to the 6% uh, that I gave in 2021. So now our police officers, uh, after one year, an entry level police officer with a bachelor's degree hired at a step five has and has received a 3% merit raise after six months of employment will and becomes eligible for supplemental pay will have a base salary of approximately $50,000, which is more than they've ever, our police department has ever experienced. So we are on a trajectory of making our police department uh, competitive in terms of salaries in the region. I will tell you, I had an officer who came up to me who said, Mayor, I've been on the police force for 26 years and I've never had as many raises as I've had um, since uh, you've been mayor. And he was extremely grateful. And look, our public safety space, those who are EMS and fire and uh, our law police officers, you know, all of those who uh, really are frontline when it comes to the safety of our community, they certainly uh, deserve uh, the pay so that they can um, they don't have to work two and three jobs. One job like that is enough. Uh, and so I believe that um, this is putting us on a trajectory of, of uh, a positive trajectory for our, our police department. And so it goes hand in hand with, you know, the approach of law enforcement, community engagement, and addressing mental health. Those are the three uh, areas that we have to hone in on to mitigate uh, crime in our community. Yeah, you know, and I think you hit the nail on the head. And what I would add to that is where you kept saying, you know, the trajectory. And I think, you know, it goes without saying we all would like to have zero crime. You know, we would all like to have zero of everything. And we would all like to say we want to have zero starting today. And then we would all say, well, that's not possible. And then we'd say, well, is it possible to have zero tomorrow? Point where I'm going with this is 
whatever number we're trying to get to, if it's zero is the you know number, but we have to be realistic. You know, as Simon Sinek would say, you know, we've talked with him on a number of different things, is he talks about picking an arbitrary number on an arbitrary day. And that's the point where it's like, we want to have, you know, crime at zero by this day, or we want to have, you know, these numbers down to this. We all know what we want in a perfect world. So when we get realistic and say, we're trying, I think he's in the right vein. And it's where you're talking about. It's that arbitrary number on arbitrary day is important, but what's to me, and we do this in our businesses as well. It's more about measuring the momentum and the trajectory of like, are we getting there? Like if we're on track, you know, to get, you know, the crime down, you know, to the numbers that we want, well, maybe we're off by a month. You know, we don't need to beat anybody up and say that we're failing and we're not doing what we picked that random day and that random target. It's, you know, an arbitrary day. Yes. I'm saying this with a big precedence of, yes, we want zero, but if we're moving in that direction, typically when I talk business, it's I'm moving the up arrow, you know, up into the right is what we want, but this we want, you know, down into the right. But I think that's, what's really, really important is the momentum that yes, it is moving. The trajectory is getting us there and it's going to take not just things like raises and things that again, government do, but it's going to take people, you know, looking out. I can remember as a kid and I'm, this is just popping in my head. Now, I remember it used to seem like all the time in all the neighborhoods used to have the old sign with the cartoon, you know, criminal with the hat and had this, it was the neighborhood watch sign. Uh And there were meetings in the neighborhood, you know, you'd go, I remember going with my parents, you'd stand there and they would all get together and it would be, you know, that neighborhood would walk the neighborhood and different people would take different nights and keep up with things. And they took, you know, the little things, like when the street light went out, they took the extra time. They're there to help, but it's also a crime thing, you know, there. So they would make the calls and it takes a little bit of work, but if we can get the community again involved and get the neighborhood watch, and then we will make sure we're on a trajectory and don't beat ourselves up because we're not there yet, but celebrate the wins that we're on our way. And so. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and Brandon, I also think about the fact, this is something that doesn't come up a lot. You know, addressing crime is a complex issue. Um, it not only involves law enforcement, but it involves, um, you know, our district attorney, it involves our judges. Uh, so there's a, you know, equation, if you will, uh, of entities that are involved in addressing crime, because, um, you know, once we, once someone is, uh, arrested, um, many times they're, you know, it's, it's getting them to trial. And then once they are in trial, um, you know, are they being, um, uh, do we have repeat offenders who are being let out with uh, low bails or, you know, what are we working together? Are we coordinating mm-hmm. uh, our efforts to uh, address crime? And right now I would tell you that we are coordinating our efforts um, you know, the police, Baton Rouge Police Department, the Sheriff's Department, the DA, we are all working together um, to take a coordinated and strategic approach to addressing crime in our community. So I'm, I'm the ultimate optimist. And although I know what things seem like and what thing what uh, is going on right now, 
I believe we're going to see a shift take place as it relates to crime in our community. Because and I think it's important. Not just coincidentally, but because we're being very intentional about addressing yeah. Being intentional pushes it. And I think it's also important to note, I try purposely not to watch news, period. <laughs> just across the board. But when you go add it up, I, I, I don't remember, it was a year or two ago, I went and added up like how much news, not mm -hmm. how much could you read online, but like how many hours of news could you actually watch in a 24 hour day? Because you mm -hmm. have 24 hour news stations, you've got the five o'clock news, the six o'clock news, the I think it was over like almost a hundred hours of like, if you really wanted to, you could get, you know, all of this. And unfortunately, a lot of times in media, you know, it's about catching that story and getting somebody in. Mm -hmm. And what you had mentioned, you know, the data shows it's moving down to 1%. Hey, that's our momentum. We're going in the right direction. I'm a very data driven person. I don't like making decisions on emotion. And when you see, I've got a hundred hours of news in a 24 hour day. And the top story is, you know, I can't watch, I don't care what side mm -hmm. of the, you know, the aisle you're on or what channel you're watching. It's breaking news and it's the same breaking news every single time. And if you just keep hearing that narrative, I have to believe it has to affect you in some way. Oh, You've got to be, you know, at lunch with somebody and be like, did you hear this happen? This happened. And it just, you get into this, what I call, you know, the mob mentality to where people haven't really dug into it. They don't really know it's an emotional decision. And they're like, oh, just crime is horrible and crazy. And it's never getting better. And it's worse. And it's like, is it worse because just something happened today that you heard about six times and then somebody else reminded you about it? Or did you actually look into it and see that hey, it is getting better? But yeah, we had a bad week, mm -hmm. you know, so I'd encourage everybody to not make emotional decisions and take part. If you see a street light out, call, report it. Let's get it fixed. That makes a difference. Call your neighbors, walk around. It's healthy. It gets you back into, you know, moving around these sidewalks that we're getting built, walk around them. And it's, it's a community. It takes all of us. We can't just yeah. point fingers. And we, and you know, I don't want people to uh, be fearful. Um, I believe if we rally together, uh, we cannot allow uh, the, those who are committing the crimes uh, to put us in a spirit of fear. I believe there are more uh, people who are doing the right thing, uh, more people in our community who are neighborly, who want to see our communities be strong. So we've got to rally together. Absolutely. I think that's a perfect note to let you get back to doing more important things than talking to me, but rally together and work as a community. That's why it's called a community yeah. at the end of the day. It takes all of us. So I appreciate the time, the updates, the work, the plans. I'm willing to bet there's probably not many people even watching the show that has built a 20 year plan on anything, you know? So you guys have got a lot of work you guys are doing. So we appreciate that. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. So. Uh, happy September. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Bye-bye.